0: Welcome back, everyone, to Web3 Weekly, the most relatable and reliable crypto, NFT, and decentralized technology podcast in the nation. In today's episode, I have an amazing interview for you all today with Paul Guarino. Uh, Paul does a lot of things, especially in the marketing world, whether that be working with athletes, working with brands, and even NFT collections. So today's uh, goal is just to learn more about what Paul does in this space, what being a Web3 and NFT uh, collection marketer is all about, and just his personal story. So uh, I guess we can <laughs> we can just kick right to it. And uh, Paul, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, appreciate you having me on, Michael. Um, yeah, looking forward to this interview. And uh, yeah, like you said, I'm the founder of PG Sports and I'm um, the host of my, of my own podcast, Average to Savage.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really wanted to bring you on today just to not only learn about you, but I think it's going to be very intriguing for my audience to learn more about what it's like working uh, day-to-day with nfts uh collections well whether that be marketing but also i think a lot of people are just interested in sports marketing as well so i think before we can we can kind of push the whole nft side of to the back burner for a second i kind of just want to learn more about your your path to where you got today so do you mind to kind of speak about how you got into kind of the marketing role how, how you started uh your brand and everything like that
1: yeah, so I started PG Sports back in 2011 as just a Twitter page while I was in college. Um, I wanted to create something um, before I graduated college. so I didn't start with nothing. Um, I wanted to be a sports agent, so that's also why I created it. Uh, at first, it was a, just a Twitter page, tweet about sports. Uh, I turned it into a clothing brand uh, with all motivational phrases and different things like that on T-shirts. Um, I'm from Connecticut so i reached out to connecticut athletes um as there's not that many pro athletes from connecticut and then i started asking them if they if i could send them some gear and they would shout me out and things like that so it was kind of doing influencer marketing before that was even a term back in you know 2011 2012 13 14 Mm -hmm. and then uh from there just building the relationships with the athletes is kind of where it's kind of how i got into you know doing sports marketing and sports management and business management uh for athletes off the field um just building those relationships with the athletes and then them getting to know me and things like that and building trust like that's like the key thing with uh anything especially working with athletes um i started doing like helping them build their social media getting them sponsorships getting them like pr like podcast on podcasts and articles and different things like that handling their emails pretty much everything and anything and um and that's really how I got started. And then um, in the NFT, and the podcast world, I got into that. Uh, in 2018, I started my own podcast called Average to Savage. Uh, I really enjoy listening to interviews. so And I have a, a pretty good network. So I was like, I might as well start a podcast and start interviewing people. And now I'm about uh, like 180 episodes deep. Uh, Over the past, you know, five years, you know, it's definitely a grind and hard to stay consistent when you're doing so many different things with the podcast. So I didn't set really a bar this year um, episodes wide. So I kind of just did it whenever I had the chance to and had some really big guests, uh, such as like Ben Baller and and Nelly, who's like my favorite rapper. So it's been really yeah to do all that stuff. Um, And then the NFT world. I uh, pretty much got into that in 2021, um, started out with NBA Top Shot, then I created my own collection, it was a mini collection, and then from there just grinded and got on Twitter Spaces, and then ended up landing uh, another marketing job with uh, Metafans, which is a 10,000 collection, sports collection, it has crazy utility for all these like VIP events, and and all different stuff uh, aftermarket uh, ticket site that it's kind of it beats um, Ticketmaster and StubHub prices um, and then we have poker nights every Wednesday that's a, like a free buy-in from us and uh, yeah just a bunch of different perks the community is great I, I built a lot of connections as well with the people that hold them so that's always good to do like that's like kind of my bread and butter is like networking and, yeah, that's, like, really all, all the different things and avenues I I kind of do.
0: Yeah, except when you when you talk about, like, networking and stuff, I find that uh, very, very admirable just because that's what kind of I do with the podcast I constantly mm-hmm. want to build up my network and not only just for the audience's sake, because the more people I'm able to network with, the more people I'm able to have on the show, and then I can constantly, like it's like a feedback loop of more and more guests, so just more and more information can get out there, but I want to take a, a step back before we kind of continue on. You gave a like a kind of a great overview of uh, your past and how you got to where you are now. But when you were back at the kind of the beginning of PG sports, trying to grow your brand, trying to grow the clothing brand part of it as well. What was it like trying to reach out to athletes? Like, what would you say your success rate was and like, what was your maybe strategy for trying to get like athletes on sport to wear your brand?
1: Yeah. uh, I'd say it was pretty high. It was definitely, Easier than it uh it was definitely easier then than it than today because there's so many one, there's just so many different brands and two, there's just so many more people on social media and active and um things like that. And like I said, uh you know, I was messaging people on Twitter and, and Facebook. Not Instagram wasn't even really around then. Um and they didn't even have D actually they were around obviously, but they didn't even have DMs, so that's why you couldn't message people. Um <clears throat> so yeah, and then uh like I said, it was pretty high. And then I'd ask them for a picture. They didn't, if they didn't give me, if they didn't tweet out a picture, uh, sometimes I, then I'd ask if they would just like send me a picture and I would tweet it out. So that was, um, pretty good. And then, you know, there's obviously sometimes where you just don't get a picture, uh, from them. They might've, they might've it. They might've not, uh, but it's all, it's all good. It, that happens because that's going to happen. Obviously you're going to have failures. So <clears throat> yeah, you just got to keep on going and, uh, different things like that and then you just keep on sending it to people and eventually you get stuff. I mean, now like I said it's definitely harder because there's so many different brands and uh, athletes get, you know, uh, a million different requests every day at this point now.
0: Yeah. Especially with kind of the rise of uh like easy access <laughs> you could say to uh famous people, especially with like Instagram. It's like Famous people aren't even checking their DMs anymore just because there's probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of requests for people to work with them and kind of just trying to get clout, um, if that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, I, I definitely, I, I like how you were kind of new in the game. You kind of set a, uh, you were almost like a pioneer for like social media marketing, which is which is really cool to see. But um, when you started working with these uh, like athletes, what was your... Or especially with, like, just none, after you sent them the clothes and stuff, how did you kind of keep that relationship, and how did you lead, or how did you eventually, like, lead into working with them as their kind of business partner?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um. So, yeah, well, one, like, it definitely wasn't, like, everybody that I got to wear my gear. Um, it was kind of just, uh, you know, certain, certain, so I'm big into, so like, boxing and MMA, so, I would actually like sponsor uh, the boxers as well. So that would, that kind of like got me closer to them. Um, So that was like kind of, it wasn't even really, I wouldn't even say it was a strategy because that's not really what my end goal was at the time. So I kind of just built the relationships with people, um, was doing a lot of stuff for free. Um, And yeah, that's kind of how you build the trust because then they kind of see what you do. Um, And it's definitely, you know, a lot of agencies and things like that. They want to promise people stuff and guarantee, but i don't I don't do any of that. I just tell them like what I do and and like it, it's really like the work you you know, they see the work uh, for themselves once I start doing it and things like that. It's kind of it's more hard to d- describe it. I, i'm I'm just like a doer, so uh, yeah, and just overall, it's just like uh, you know, it's going back to like the human factor of you just have to like these people are humans. they're not. Uh, superheroes, or whatever, like obviously, sure, yeah, they are the people, but um, you can't look at them like that. Uh, that's like a turnoff to them as well. Like, you just have to treat them like your friend or you're a normal person. Like, all <clears throat> pretty much all the athletes that I work with, you know, I could hit them up and we have a normal conversation about not sports or business and talk about whatever we want to talk about. And uh, I think that's one key thing about being successful in the in the sports world is building like real relationships with the with your clients
0: yeah no i I get that i think it's important to to treat people as people it's kind of weird to say it's like what Mm -hmm. do you mean by that like that's simple but i think a lot of times uh people are just trying to just like i mentioned earlier people are dm'ing these athletes just to get something from them and they're not trying to build a relationship they could really like excuse my french but they some people could just give less of a fuck about uh building a relationship and actually caring about them but at the end of the day if you actually want to like make uh if you if you really want to like make a profit from working with them you have to build a relationship because you want both both sides have to win in order for kind of good things to happen if that makes
1: sense yeah yeah for sure
0: yeah it's cool to see uh like this side of sports marketing, especially with what you do, because you always see on ESV and everything, it's like, oh, this uh, player signs a deal for this amount of money. This player uh, works with this brand and everything. But it's kind of cool to see the back end of that and who actually gets these deals done, who helps these athletes out, who brings these athletes to the closing table. And I think something what you do is kind of very interesting.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I don't, um, well, I, I'd say like I'm I'm working with uh I uh quote unquote like lower tier of athletes, so it's definitely like a grind and hustle, and it's um you know it's actually you know when I get these deals for them or things like that, it's like actually helping them in real life because they might not be like you know multimillionaires and get those mm-hmm. million dollar contracts. So, uh, so that's why it's also rewarding too. Um, like I, even I got one of my MMA guys like a big deal and he was like yeah well, this is gonna pay my rent for the year and that was like just like cool to like it's rewarding to hear uh that uh just like little things like that like uh that's how you like everyone thinks like you know all athletes are like really rich but that's not the case for uh a lot i mean i'd say a lot a majority of them uh and especially in boxing that's how it's cool too in boxing and mma you kind of grind with them because you know they start out one to know and they might not be banking that much and and stuff like that and you just like grind with them like I've been with fighters since like I've been with one guy's whole career since he's like been t- he's debuted at 20 years old I've been with another guy that uh, he's I started with him when he was eight and oh made it all the way to the world title unfortunately lost but he's 20 and one now so uh it's like those are just like cool journeys and rides to take with people and like, like I said like even you have to invest in the athlete as well and like you know some athletes I'm not potentially making money off of for like years, but you just have to like stay with them and that's that's how that's also you have to stay loyal to the people.
0: Yeah, it's like um when these athletes are grinding just to make the roster, you're grinding just to be able to support the guy that's barely making the roster. I think I think that's I think it's really cool. Okay. Yeah. But um yeah, like with with that kinda out of the way, especially with what you do uh inside of sports, I kinda wanna talk about how you uh eventually like led into the nft space like how did you like obviously you've been working with in like you you created pg sports but you've been doing that for uh over 10 years now um and with all the people you've met and and just all the connections you've made like what led you to eventually maybe learning about the crypto space learning about nfts
1: yeah i think what led me to learning about nfts was just i wanted to be early like i felt like in the past, I just missed out on a few different things. Um, I still think I, even though I was early in NFTs and uh, even if you're listening to this, it's, you're still pretty early into NFTs, but I just, I, you know, I just missed it I still, even with, you know, board Apes and things like that. Like I, I was definitely on OpenSea and all that stuff when, you know, the board Apes dropped, but I didn't, I didn't even purchase anything. I came out with my own NFTs before I purchased anything um, like on OpenSea wise or like minting or. Whatnot, like I definitely had uh NBA top shots before that, but uh, like I said, I didn't buy anything, so that was that was also kind of a <clears throat> now looking back at it, it was kind of strange that I came out with stuff before I even like dipped into buying. So, um, so yeah, I came out with my own collection, like I said, I wanted to be early, it was um, it was 11 digital hats, I love hats, so it was my 10 year anniversary. So there's 10 royal blue ones, and there was one one of one black one, and the the 11 represented the 2011 when i came out with pg sports and the 10 blue ones represented the 10 years so yeah i sold out of those um i would give everyone like a physical hat i didn't really make money off of it it was just kind of like i just wanted nfts again and then like once i sold out of those people wanted them you know obviously that's you know the case when things sell out people want them so then i came out with another collection it was called p versus g And I had these new era new era custom hats. So I had 25 each of them. Um that were actually also for the 10 year anniversary. So I I came out with all those. Uh I sold out of those, but it was definitely a grind to sell out. It wasn't easy, even though it was only fifty one. Um, but it's cool because like each individual I know, and now I have like a new community of of people. And uh they all got the physical hat and then um, doing monthly giveaways of just random stuff. Um, So it's already been, it's just like already paying for itself essentially. And then I also did like one-offs where I did a pizza collab. Uh, Connecticut has the best pizza. If you look it up, number one in the world. So I did a collab shirt the year before, and I took the artwork from that and I made it into an NFT. Um, And one guy bought both of them. So he, I gave him utility was just the shirt and I shipped them Uh, pizza from Connecticut so that was was cool too Uh, so that was a little different than I think most NFC projects as well and then uh, just building my I also helped uh, the first uh, professional women's athlete to create her own collection so that was the first drop of a a female athlete as well and then from there uh, just grinding on Twitter spaces just made a whole bunch of connections off there met a crazy amount of people got to talk to like Uh, and connect with like Nikki Diamonds, the founder of Diamond Spyco who like inspired me to make clothing. Uh, So that was uh, awesome to like talk to him and he like knows me now. It's it's weird and cool. And uh, yeah, so from there, um, Metafans, I connected with them. They sponsored some of my athletes. Um, So that was like another first, like just getting NFT sponsorship. They actually sponsored my podcast as well um talked to the guys over there they were cool and then one day one of the guys left a status that they were looking for marketing help so i hit them up um it was literally like a saturday i got on the phone with them uh it wasn't really like an interview it was more just like because they kind of already knew me and then he was like oh you want to start on monday and i was like what the heck so i was like all right sure like and they were cool with me still doing like my own thing with pg sports so that's why i took it as well so Pretty much, you know, working like two full-time jobs and multiple like different freelance things too. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, It's been a crazy year overall with NFTs. But that just shows you too, just like, like I said, I got in early. So in the end, yeah, it did pay off because I got a whole another job off of it, which I mean, again, that wasn't the goal, but that was, that's cool. And then, you know, um, just building way more connections now. uh, People all over the world. In the us and things like that and uh yeah nfts are crazy and uh, i know it's down right now but i still think it's going to be i think it's going to be pretty big still in the future and just like another like add-on to different types of events and things like that i think sports tickets are all going to be nfts eventually and i think that's going to be really cool for everybody to just like have that digitally on their phone instead of like you know you lose your ticket stuff and things like that so yeah i mean that's like i know that was long-winded but that's pretty much uh where i how i got incentive in the past year and a half
0: awesome no i, I think it's cool i think you have a, a similar sentiment to a lot of the people in in kind of the world that are actually here for the right reasons where it's like yeah the market's down but if you kind of take a zoom out everything's down so you yeah. understand i mean the, the technology is still the same whether it's The coin prices are different or the NFT prices are different, technology is still there and similar to what you just said, how tickets will eventually become uh, NFTs and stuff like that. I can definitely see um, that kind of increasing, especially with just like being able to verify stuff uh, digitally and have being able to own digital assets, something that's I think going to be really important uh, for the future, especially with the increase in like the metaverse and being able to join like special clubs and stuff and get special perks without the nft i think that's only gonna uh, kind of just create or just keep or continually help the market grow in that way but talking about uh, like many different nfts like you mentioned and stuff like that um obviously how does like being a marketer for an nft collection work and maybe give some examples of like work you've done in this space
1: Yeah, for sure. So what's cool about Metafans is it's it's sports-based. So I kind of just brought all my resources and what I've done over the past 10 years to to NFTs essentially. And that's why, um, you know, NFT projects are a business. And so, you know, it works the same as, you know, Web2 and, you know, coming up with strategies and coming up with plans and social plans and marketing plans and paid ad plans and things like that. So um, it's pretty much the same as having, you know, a regular, job or or whatnot you just have to understand the technology behind it and like how nfts work and how you buy them and sell them and things like that um yeah so it's really it's pretty much similar to any other job in terms of like regular structure but then yeah there's a flip side of like you know nft people don't sleep and you could you know there could be purchases there's been stuff on the weekends where all of a sudden like somebody mints a one-on-one of one of our in one of our collections and then we're like rushing to get like a, a graphic out and stuff like that but that's just that but that could happen in any business when there's breaking news and things like that so it's really pretty similar it's just uh new lingo and and new technology
0: yeah yeah um but like how would you come up obviously it's important to see NFT collections as brands but like what exactly would you do when you were kind of working with these brands and kind of what do you talk to them or a better question would be like what do you talk to them about when you're going over like growth strategies
1: yeah Um. you mean in terms of working for the NFT collection or are you yes, talking about like yes. getting, uh, yeah. yeah well yeah so I mean meta fans the, the goal you know is always to sell out so we're at like 60 percent. so that was really the strategy to you know get people to mint more and, and things like that <clears throat> um you know with the down market it's definitely hard but uh we made like a lot of product i think since i since i joined the uh, twitter page it was up like 30 percent of in follower count the we got probably we definitely got more mints in the past like six months than the previous six months so just like things like that i mean it's just you know just like anything else just being consistent with our marketing and strategies and and things like that
0: i get it i get it would you would you is it would you, is it similar to kind of working with an athlete to help grow that brand or like what are the similarities there right?
1: <laughs> yeah so um yeah working so i had jobs as well like you know where i worked at you know small marketing company and then i had different clients of businesses so i've experienced you know doing the marketing for businesses doing it for individuals and then like doing it for nft projects so it's it's all like kind of similar it's just like like i said before like the lingo and the land and just the different technologies of like you just have to understand what exactly it is and then this nft project being sports based as well it's like my sports knowledge comes into play as well so that's why it's just like a combination of everything that i learned over the past you know 12 years into into this now so that's why that's why it's also cool like i'm using like all my skills uh into nfts and yeah it's dope
0: yeah no i i, th- I think it's cool i i think uh especially with what you're doing with the nft side is that you're kinda of keeping to your avenue, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. you're staying with your uh sphere of knowledge, your sphere of influence, and that's important because with your knowledge of sports, you're able to actually help these sports brands, which kinda I know you pretty much just said that earlier, but I think it's important to reiterate, um, like staying in your lane. <laughs> um yeah. you could say, just because it, it makes it makes since you have that knowledge, it's important to uh just just like i said stay in your lane you know what you're doing you know how to improve businesses in the sports world and stuff like that and yeah it, it just helps kind of everyone involved because you're not just working on a project you know nothing about you have no interest you actually care and you actually want to help uh these brands grow and like would you mind i know you explained like one of the brands but um what other collections have you worked with and um and yeah what what, what collections have you worked for or Worked with
1: yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I've done different things uh a lot of firsts in sports and NFTs. So, um <clears throat> yeah, I got you know the first WNBA player and owner on NBA Top Shot, the first NHL player on NBA Top Shot, the first female athlete on OpenSea, got like her verified and all that stuff. Uh first female athlete with an NFT project, first NFT sponsorship in boxing, first NFT uh, in the boxing ring, first board ape in the boxing ring. So that's because I got a, a board ape holder last year to sponsor one of my boxers. We put since they own the the rights to their IP, we got the board ape uh, on his actual trunks in in this fight, and he was on the Jake Paul undercard. His name's Anthony Taylor, and yeah, so that was like a first of its kind. I got other projects after that to sponsor some of my boxers and put their NFTs on as well. Um, did deals with you know Dapper Labs which is NBA Top Shot because once again I you know I was like one of the first people to you know reach out to them and and do marketing with them with athletes Um, and then I did a deal with RumbleCon and that was the first NFT on a sneaker in the WNBA so that was cool with Crystal Dangerfield who was the rookie of the year in 2020 and and yeah just like like uh, I think I mentioned before, just bringing Web two and Web three together, and kind of just mashing up all the skills that I have and uh, bringing them to lo- the, the Web three world. Like it's it's pretty crazy, and uh, and I think the key thing here is just like you gotta, always got to learn um, new things as well and adapt to change, and and that's how you progress.
0: No, I re- I really couldn't agree more, especially with. Uh, what you just said there at the end about constantly learning, constantly being a part of new things. I think uh, that's another reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast. I think not only was I curious about what you do, but I think it's important for the the audience to learn more about there's actual people in this industry that are working towards a good goal and actually want to see things be done. Um, And that's exactly what you're doing. So, um we just kinda of talk about what you're doing, uh what you did in the past with PG Sports as well as the T collection. Um, but what's kinda what's kinda the future look like for um what's what's the future look like for you? What's the future look like for Paul Garino?
1: Yeah, um just always building and growing. Uh what I like to do every year and you know it's December right now, is uh just reflect on the past year and, and what I've done in because, you know, sometimes I, I, f- I think maybe a lot of people feel this way, but like, you you know, sometimes you kind of feel like you're just doing stuff consistently or you're just doing and doing and doing and it doesn't feel like progress maybe. But then when you look back at like what you did the past year or like what you were doing last year versus this year, um, then you might see the, I guess, the quote unquote light. And um, <clears throat> and yeah, I think it's just, you know, always growing and building and working with new people and like I, like <laughs> this podcast with the NFTs it's it's a whole new world and boy, I think it's about adapting and, and growing and never stop learning and being consistent because all those things combined like like I literally got a full time on the Twitter spaces in like four months but I went to like college for four years and I couldn't get a job like I got rejected by it and all that stuff on a million different interviews and then spaces and this is years later like i graduated you know 2014-15 so it's been it's just like a crazy uh thing how everything works now and especially working from home uh, i think struggled that but, but i was already like kind of doing that so i think that was an advantage for me as well even like going into nfts as well so i think it's just uh like i said adapting uh, being consistent and, and learning new things,
0: got it. Got it. Is there anything, uh, like kind of on the horizon you would like to talk about? Maybe something you're excited about in the future, or
1: uh, is there anything you can kind of
0: give us hints on that you're working on?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, just I just signed like a bunch of boxers, so that's exciting. Um, I have five fights in january so that's also exciting for me and uh yeah it's gonna be fun it's always a good time i have two fighters fighting in, in connecticut and at mohegan sun on january 21st so i'm trying to get like a big crowd of people to go and uh yeah and actually you go to you go to the university of kentucky right yes yeah one guy I do want to work with, actually, he's the quarterback there because he's from Connecticut, Will Levitz. Oh, Will
0: Levis! I, I yeah. love that man. He, yeah. he is he is a god on our campus.
1: I should have... I mean, I reached out to him a few times, but um, one of my old roommates actually went to the same high school, and I actually worked with uh, Tim Boyle, who went to the same high school as him, who's in the NFL. So, <clears throat> yeah. Trying to get in touch with Will Levitz. How about that? That's how we'll end it. Hey, that sounds
0: perfect. I mean, if Hey, chew for the stars and if you don't hit it, you'll land or shoot for the moon if you don't if you don't hit the moon, you'll land somewhere against the stars. That's kind of what I uh that's what kind of that's something I live by. It's like you just keep working. Why, why why not? Like why not why not us? Why not you? Why not peaches Sports? You know what I mean? Like why not? We can do big things. And um, I wish you the best of luck with any kind of future endeavor you're working on. I'm uh fingers crossed that you can get in touch with Will Levis, you know he uh he's probably gonna be a top five draft pick this year which is absolutely crazy um, just seeing him play this year in person and just knowing he's gonna be in the nfl uh in in less than a year is kind of wild to think about but yeah do you would you mind to let the audience know where they can find you or like where they can kind of support you
1: yeah for sure appreciate you having me on this was great um you could find me on my personal pages. It's PCG seven and my brand page is just PG sports on pretty much. uh, Yeah. Everything I got, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all that good stuff. Awesome. Well,
0: Paul, thank you again. I appreciate it. If you need anything, feel free to reach out. Um, And for anyone listening in the audience today, go check him out. He's doing big things. Go give him a follow. Go follow what he's uh, continuously doing and go check out his podcast. I'll have the links and everything to what he's doing in the, in the episode description, so it'll be easy for you all to check it out. But if you, you all did uh, enjoy today's episode and enjoy uh, Paul's story as well as what he's working on now, um, feel free to show some love to the podcast. You can do that by giving us a follow on Spotify or any of the listening platforms you're currently listening on. And you can also share the episode with your friends. Um, Also, feel free to follow us on any of our social media. It's Web3 Weekly on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and uh, all that. So it's it's easy to access there. Feel free to message me. And uh, yeah, if you want to leave five stars, that means a lot. And that's going to be it for today's episode. Paul, thank you again. And is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we head out today?
1: No, again, I just appreciate you having me. And uh, like I always say, consistency is key
0: completely agree well uh if anyone hope everyone in the audience has a great rest of your day paul thank you again and we'll see you soon bye guys